0: God like? What is he like? And uh, this verse in Psalm 18, and we'll be spending quite a bit of time in Psalm 18 this morning, uh, a Psalm of David, verse 26 says, With the pure you show yourself pure, and with the devious you show yourself shrewd. What is God like? Is he changeable? Is he Something to some people and something else to others? Well, it sure seems like that. In fact, this scripture indicates that. And and when I ask myself the question, what is God like? What is He like? You know, I've been told things, I've been taught, we've been taught things, and, and we read His Word, and we know He's holy, He's pure, He's merciful, He's forgiving. God is love. But we also know that He's perfect. He's just. He is the judge, and He's a jealous God. So the question is how do you see Him? How do you see Him? What is God like? How do you see Him? How do I see Him? When you think about God, what do you think? When you sense his presence, what do you sense? We've been taught certain things. We read certain things about him. But our experience sometimes makes us think differently about him. And often we're not sure what to think about him. We have a hunch he's much better than how we're experiencing him now, right? We, I think most of us kind of have this We know that the way we experience God today, there's more to him than that. He's even better than that. And we don't know what to do with that. Is it my fault? Is it his fault? Is it my mom's fault? We're not sure what to to do with that. We are blinded by living by our own sin and by living on a sin cursed earth. Also, God is a spirit. And although I'm a spirit being as well, and so are you, right now we have physical limitations. And we can't see. We don't really know what God the Spirit is like. We know a lot about him. We've experienced him. And by faith, we have received him into our lives. But really, what is he? What is he like? And a few weeks ago, I talked about the parable of the talents, and that's what kind of took me to this verse. Um, people experiencing God because of what they are like, experiencing God because of how they think. We experience God because of what we are like, because of how we think. So in the parable of the talents, you know the story, um, some were faithful and utilized it, developed the talents, and made more. But there was one who the master called wicked and lazy. And this wicked and lazy servant saw God as an austere, harsh, not safe, not worth the risk. And he was afraid. And right there, that needs to tell us something. If, if you see God that way, it has to do with, when we see God that way, it has to do with our own laziness, our own wickedness. We're the ones who develop their talents, They also had a fear of God, but they weren't afraid. They had the kind of fear of God and and a belief in God and a trust in God that enabled them to take the risk. Somehow they knew that even if they take the risk and try to develop their talents, and if they fail... God's still going to love them. But what happened is they took the risk and they developed their talents and they did not fail. I think we get caught in that. What if I fail? And our trust in God needs to be such and our belief in God needs to be such that we can move ahead in developing our talents, in doing what God has asked us to do, knowing that it's worth the risk. It's worth the risk of looking stupid. It's worth the risk of failing. We won't do it perfectly. Sometimes we will look stupid, but it's worth the risk. That's the kind of trust and faith we need in God. That's how we need to view God. We go by any pure motives that we have in us because we know God is pure. And if we live out of those pure motives, not perfectly pure, like God is perfectly pure, but he has given us good motives, especially as we have trusted in him for salvation. How do you see him? There's this poem about the six blind men and the elephant, it was six men of Indostan, to learning much inclined, who went to see the elephant, who went to see the elephant, though all of them were blind, that each by observation might satisfy his mind, what is an elephant like? The first approached the elephant and, happening to fall against his broad and sturdy side, at once began to bawl, God bless me, but the elephant is very like a wall. The second, feeling of the tusk, cried, Oh, what have we here so very round and smooth and sharp? To me, tis mighty clear, the wonder of an elephant is very like a spear. The third approached the animal and, happening to take the squirming trunk within his hands, Thus boldly up and spake, I see, quoth he, the elephant is very like a snake. The fourth reached out his eager hand and felt about the knee. What most this wondrous beast is like is mighty plain, quoth he. Tis clear enough, the elephant is very like a tree. The fifth, who chanced to touch the ear, said, "'Een the blindest man can tell what this resembles most. "'Deny the fact, who can? "'This marvel of an elephant is very like a fan. "'The sixth no sooner had begun about the beast to grope "'than seizing on the swinging tail that fell within his scope. "'I see,' quoth he, "'the elephant is very like a rope.' And so these men of Indostan disputed loud and long, each in his own opinion, exceeding stiff and strong, though each was partly in the right and all were in the wrong. So oft in theologic wars, the disputants, I ween rail on in utter ignorance of what each other means. And prate about an elephant, not one of them has seen. Now it seems a little sacrilegious to compare God with an elephant. But that poem makes the point. We're like blind men. Blind men, some of us experience this part of God. And some of us experience this part of God, and none of us have seen him. None of us have seen him. We experience him. We're getting to know him, but we're just like blind men who can't really see God. but we have ideas. Where do we get our ideas? We tend to see others, people and God, by what, and by what we are and how we are. Thus, the liar and deceiving person doesn't trust other people. The thief looks at other people with that possibility that they're thieves. We tend to see others the way we are. We tend to see God by what we have experienced. For example, God says that it's not his will that any perish, and yet we have people perishing around us. God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, and yet sometimes he feels far away and we feel lonely. We tend to see others by what we were, are told. How often have you heard about someone? Someone told you about someone, and they just said a little bit about them, and that's developed your image of them. So these things we put together, and we have preconceived Ideas. We have limited perspective. But it's when we, what this is the accumulation of what we believe. And when we believe something, we tend to interpret everything through those lenses. That's why it's very important how we talk. It's very important how we think. It's very important what we think. And if you're not sure what you're thinking, commit yourself and do it in private, probably mostly, to saying out loud what you're thinking. So you can hear what you're thinking. It's very revealing. And some of those thoughts, when we say them out loud, it's very important to stop right away, not even finish saying them. And be very strict with ourselves in what we think. And the good thoughts that we think, and we know, we've been taught, we know what are good thoughts, we know what are bad thoughts, we know what are right thoughts for the most part. Sometimes we're a little deceived, sometimes we need somebody to help us. Say, yeah, that's really not a good thing to think. We need each other. But for the most part, and we have the Holy Spirit, we can think good thoughts and repeat them and say them out loud. It is so important. Because Satan has for millennium now been deceiving people. And he always uses truth. Almost always uses truth. That's why it's deceptive. And he twists it. He warps the truth. He he deceives and he feeds, he interjects thoughts and lies and, and deceptive truth. And personally, he's been doing it to us, some of us for years, some of us for decades, that he has been putting in those Wrong thoughts or deceptive thoughts or just twisted a little bit to make it really damaging. And we've been, some of us have listened to those thoughts long enough that they really become our own thoughts. We need the book. We need to get into this thing. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the church, each other, to help us with right thinking and right thoughts to know what God is like. When you think of David, um, turn in your Bibles to Psalm 18. But while you're going there, Psalm 18, when you think of David, uh, what do you think about when you when you think of him in relation to what he thought about God? What did, I want to hear from you. What did what does David in relationship with God? Where was he with, with that? How did how did David see God, or how, did David ever did David have a relationship with God? Did he have a good one with God? Tell me. Describe it. I, I want to hear a little bit from you. He trusted God, OK? What else? Honest, honest open, raw. raw relationship with God. Hmm. So it's like, no pretense. Just that's how it is. OK? What else? He, he saw God as a deliverer. OK. David was a shepherd, yes. David was a shepherd, and he saw God as a shepherd. How did he get there? How did David get to seeing God as a shepherd? I mean, yeah, he knew what a shepherd was, and he knew what sheep was, and he knew but, but how did David get to seeing God that way? Did David have an easy life? No. David did not have an easy life. When David was a shepherd, there's indication that David had a lonely life in the beginning of his life. Nat said he saw God as a deliverer. How can you come to see God as a deliverer? (laughs) By needing deliverance. And that's I think that's where we go wrong so many times. It's like, well, God, you, this, well, we forget that God isn't a deliverer from, uh, people don't need any delivering from anything. Whether it's deliverance from sin, whether it's deliverance from difficulty, whether it's deliverance from whatever, grief. David was in constant trouble. And yet, He wrote the most beautiful psalms. David was in constant difficulty, and yet he praised God. David was constantly, um, or very often, he was taken advantage of. But yet, he trusted God. That's that's the relationship. And, And David has taught me so much about what God is like. And it wasn't because he didn't have a difficult life. In fact, it was because he had a difficult life, but he turned to God. And there are stories like, for example, the many Jews... God's chosen people since the Holocaust have become atheists. They just can't understand how, a, a, how you can have a right view of God and he allows terrible things to happen. But I'm suggesting this morning that let's let the difficulties, the griefs, the terrible things that happen, that doesn't have to warp our view wrongly about God. In fact, those very things can help us see the wonderfulness of God, the beauty of God, the greatness, the kind, the goodness of God. Those very things. As we read here in Psalm 18, I want you to notice these commitments that David makes here. For I wills, the first three are in the beginning of the, of the psalm. The last one is at the end of the psalm. But David comes with this commitment. He says, I will, first verse, first, first, first. that's how he starts out. I will love you, O Lord. There, there's another indicator. He makes God Lord of his life. But he says, I will love you, O Lord. And then he sees him as his strength. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. Verse 2. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom, say it with me, I will trust. So there you have the first two I wills. I will love God. That is the commitment. That is the starting place. That is where you need to come to. That is where you start from. Every... Everything you go through, that's where it happens. A commitment. I will love God. That is where it's got to be. And that will start you on the right path. It's got to be there. A commitment to love God, regardless what will happen, regardless what has happened, regardless what we don't understand, what we can't see in our blindness. But we start with that. we say. I will love you, my Lord. And then, once that commitment is in place, it's, I will trust you. I will trust you. Verse 3 I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be prayed. Why would someone call upon the Lord? Tell me, why would you call upon the Lord? For help? This is because he's worthy? Yes. Calling on the Lord because we need him. I'm not going to call someone for help unless I need it. That's pretty, pretty key. So, I love him. I trust him. I need him. I need him. So this commitment, so, so what do we tend to do when we, when we need help? Tell him Jesus help you. That's what we should do. But often we look to our own ideas. We try to shift blame. We point to this. And we, ah, there's just so many wrong responses rather than when we need help, We go to Him, and we call on Him. I love Him. I will trust Him. I will call on Him. All right, let's just read on down through the psalm. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So he saw God as a rock, a fortress, deliverer, His strength, His Lord, His shield, His horn of salvation, His stronghold, and he saw Him as someone who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. Oh, he had enemies. See, he wasn't delivered yet completely. He was in the presence. He wrote that beautiful psalm. Uh, 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 Spread a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. We We just have a hard time with God because there's, enemies around. We think we shouldn't have any, any threats to our life. Well, David lived in those threats. He lived in them, among those threats. We get all nervous and do wrong things and think wrong thoughts and come to wrong conclusions about God because we are in the midst of threats. Well, let those very threats Help you say what David did. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. All right, let's read more of his troubles here. Verse four, the pangs of death surrounded me and the floods of ungodliness made me afraid. The sorrows of Sheol surrounded me. The snares of death confronted me. In, but then here he says what he did in my distress. I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple And my cry came before him even to his ears. And then he describes what God did. Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations of the hills also quaked and were shaken because he was angry. So David saw God as someone who was angry about the difficulties he was going through. Smoke went out of his nostrils, verse 8, and devouring fire from his mouth, coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down with darkness under his feet, and he rode upon a cherub and flew. He flew upon the wings of the wind. He made darkness his secret place. His canopy around him was dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. From the brightness before him, his thick clouds passed with hailstones and coals of fire. I wonder what all he's alluding to here. Um, there's there's so much here i'm I'm not sure what all this means. Verse thirteen, the Lord thundered from heaven, and the most High uttered his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. he sent out his arrows and scattered the foe, lightnings in abundance, and he vanquished them. Then the channels of the sea were seen, and the foundations of the world were uncovered at your rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of your nostrils so he's he's just talking about God's greatness, and I don't know is he talking about previous. Wars that God had won for him. I'm not sure what all it includes. But then he gets personal with him. uh, Verse 16. He sent from above. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. And again, I want to emphasize the fact that David was in many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy. So David was in the grip of an enemy. But God delivered him. He delivered me from those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. David had that feeling of feeling weak. Verse 18: They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. So he was in the midst of confrontation. But the Lord was his support. He wasn't, he, he went through the difficulties. He was in the difficulties, and he developed this relationship with God in the difficulties and through the difficulties. Okay, verse 19. He also brought me out into a broad place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. Now, that is just so precious. God, he, he, this is how David knew God. What is God like? God was personal to david and and he knew god was a god who took delight in his children it is so clear here david says verse 19 he delivered me because he delighted in me david didn't say god delivered me because i'm a perfect man god delivered me because i never made wrong choices God delivered me because I'm so good-looking and socially adaptable. No. God delivered me because he delighted in me. And my desire is that every one of us would be so convinced on that, that God delights in us, that we could be restful. Jesus, I am resting, resting. In the joy of what thou art, I am finding out the greatness of thy loving heart. Just like the men with the elephant, they'd have stayed with them and spent time with the elephant and explored more of the elephant and experienced the presence of the elephant. They would have learned so much more about the elephant, even in their blindness we got to stick with god and spend time with him and see him this way all right i got to keep going ah uh, which which verse are we ready for oh 19 he delivered me because he delighted in me verse 20 the lord rewarded me according to my righteousness according to the cleanness of Okay, so verse 20 through 24, uh, David is talking about that he did make right choices. He talked about his own commitment to God. According to the cleanness of my hands, he has recompensed me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord. I have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his judgments were before me, and I did not put away his statutes from me. I was also blameless before him, and I kept myself from my iniquity. Therefore the Lord has recompensed me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his sight. And then we have these verses that I was drawn to uh, with how do we see God. Verse 25, with the merciful you will show yourself merciful. With a blameless man you will show yourself blameless. With the pure you will show yourself pure. And with the devious you will show yourself shrewd. For you will save the humble people, but will bring down looks, just like in the parable of the talents. The, the, the one who was wicked and lazy saw God as, as deceptive. And we have scriptures uh, in the Old Testament, uh, God told his people, if you're going to be contrary, then I'm going to be contrary to you. How you choose to, what you choose about me, that's how you're going to see me. And it, it It seems harsh, but it's God being consistent. It's God, it's really up to us. It's, It's not that God is wicked or deceptive or devious, but it's we don't see the whole picture. We don't understand him in his completeness. And so we draw wrong conclusions, mostly because of how, We are in the wrong or how we are blind or how we have limited perception or how other people have misinformed us. It's not because he is in the wrong. Verse 28, David comes back to how he saw God. This is just so beautiful. You will light my lamp. It's like if my little candle gets snuffed out, God's going to light it again. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop. By my God I shall leap over a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. There's a key there. He's not going to be there for those who don't choose to trust in him. Verse 31 For who is God except the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of deer and sets me on my high places. He teaches my hands to make war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have also given me the shield of your salvation. Your right hand has held me up. Your gentleness has made me great. You enlarged my path under me so my feet did not slip. And then David talks again about what he did. I have pursued my enemies and overtaken them. He he did all this because of what God... Let's skip down verse uh, 46. The Lord lives... Blessed be my rock. Let the God of my salvation be exalted. It is God who avenges me and subdues the people under me. He delivers me from my enemies. You also lift me up above those who rise against me. You have delivered me from the violent man. Therefore, here's his fourth commitment. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the Gentiles, and I will sing praises to your name. Great deliverance he gives to his king and shows mercy to his anointed, to David and his descendants, forevermore. So you might say, well, yeah, David, he was a good man, and so God looked out for him. David made many mistakes. David was a, not the greatest dad to his sons, kind of passive, and he made rash decisions sometimes. He was, in many ways, passive in the way he, he led his, uh, the, the nation as well. David made some very serious mistakes. And so, no, it wasn't because David was perfect. And so you can't use that excuse. Well, I just made too many bad, ex- too many bad decisions. That, that doesn't work. Um, but it, I believe it was David's commitment. Remember, we view God through our imperfection, by what we've experienced or what, by we, what we've been told. We are blinded by sin. We are blinded by the, our natural limitations, and God is the infinite spirit. We need to stick with him, just like those blind men should have stuck with the elephant and got to know a, a more complete of, of what what they were experiencing. So I just think we need to come back to this commitment. If We want to know what God is like. We start with the decision to love him and the decision to trust him, the decision to call on him and to thank him. As we do that, I believe I believe we'll get a more accurate picture of what God is like. We won't understand and there are some things that just don't feel right, but we will know that God is good. God is love. God is forgiving. God is pure. He's a loving father. He's merciful. He's but it'll also help us in when we Face his perfection, his justice, his, that he is the judge and that he is a jealous God and he is sovereign. Let's just close with reading these verses together. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you are beyond our comprehension. And thank you that you have called us to believe in you, to trust you, and to love you, even as we don't understand the whole of who you are and what you are like. Thank you for what we are experiencing you, in you as a, a good, loving Father, and we praise you for that. We thank you, and we praise you for that. I thank you also for David's testimony, his example. And Lord, help us to embrace the griefs, the difficulties, the disappointments, the wrongs that we are faced with in our life, in our lives, and see you as our deliverer and what you are like through those things that we are going through and not let the enemy twist it in saying, you are not good. Please help us with that. God, I just pray that you would interpret this message to each heart here this morning, that we may be able to live this out as we go from here. I'm just going to pause, just have a moment of silence here. For each one of us to think about how we tend to think about God. And maybe one of these commitments is missing. The I will love, or I will trust, or I will call, or I will thank. If one of those is, commit, is missing in one of your lives, I just, I'm just going to be quiet here for a little bit. You can give it to God and commit yourself to following Him in that way.